Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to Season 2 of the Millennial God Podcast, where we take a look at the hottest issues in religion, politics, and culture in an attempt to help you navigate life as a Christian in America today. I hope you guys are excited. I had a little hiatus from the podcast for a bit, but we are back. And I wanted to kick off season two with a recap of some of the top stories from 2021. There's a lot of topics that I could have covered. I'm just going to hit a few, some of the top ones uh, that happened this year. So make sure to listen to the end because I'm going to talk about a lot of negative things going on in America right now. But at the end, I'll get just briefly into how you can start to do something about it in 2022. Uh, So the first topic I'm going to cover is COVID. Uh, Let's be honest, this has pretty much dominated uh, the news and really most people's lives for the past two years, essentially at this point, uh, not only COVID, uh, the disease, disease itself, but also the vaccine, uh, you know, we had Delta, then we had Omicron, uh, we had stimulus packages because of this thing. We've got boosters now that are all of a sudden a hot topic. Uh, and we're somehow still at a point where everything about COVID is tribal and political and you're either a saint or the devil just because you deci- because of your decisions about COVID, uh, I've got a few points on COVID and the vaccine uh, because a lot of things can be true at the same time whenever it comes to COVID, the vaccine, everything. Up front, I'll tell you that I did personally get the vaccine uh, primarily because of my work outside of here, uh, but even I'm even still, I'm a little uncomfortable with it. I'm still a little uncomfortable with the decision, uh, and I'll get into a few reasons of why. So first, I will say that the vaccine seems to be relatively effective, right? Uh, it does work at preventing both getting uh, COVID and uh, transmitting COVID to other people. Uh, and so in my opinion, there are a lot of reasons why you might personally want to get the vaccine, especially if you're a uh, in an at-risk population group, if you're you know a lot older, uh, or if you're, you interact with a lot of people, that kind of thing. Um, and I don't think it's, it's anyone's right really to say, oh, how dare you get the vaccine? Uh, because I, I don't think there's anything outright wrong uh, with trying to protect yourself or those you work with or your family or anything like that uh, by getting the vaccine. And so, um, you know, I'll kind of I'll, I'll say all of that up front before uh, I go into some of the negatives that I think uh, may come from this vaccine. Uh, and so, like I said, there are plenty of red flags uh, with not only the vaccine itself, but really the situation around the vaccine. And that's what probably concerns me the most is not necessarily the vaccine, uh, but maybe how it's been pushed by the government, the media, uh, the, the lack of long-term effects and some other things. So first, I do have pretty serious concerns about how it's been pushed by, by the media. Um, let me play a quick clip for you guys. Is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. That's crazy, right? I think there's a very legitimate concern uh, when all of the outlets telling you to take the vaccine are sponsored by the companies that make the vaccine. 
Uh, this is absolutely a huge red flag for me. Uh, and if you're like, hey, I, I don't trust those companies. I don't trust their, those, their ethics. I don't trust how they've pushed uh, this vaccine in the media. Uh, and you decide not to get it. I think that's okay. I think that people should respect that decision because it's absolutely reasonable. Uh, another concern I have is the lack of long-term sci scientific data, right? Uh, the trials on vaccines are generally supposed to be very long uh, so that we can create a long-term picture and understand what the effects over time are. Uh, but because of the very short and compressed timeline to roll out this vaccine, uh, we just don't have any data on the long-term effects. And so we don't know how it's going to affect people young, old. We really have no idea. Um, and I mean, that's obviously concerning because that's how you get those commercials on the television that are like, have you ever been diagnosed with insert disease here? Well, you may be eligible for financial compensation. Uh, so, so there's actual health concerns too, not just, you know, your concerns about the fact that the media has pushed it so hard while being sponsored by all of those cor corporations. Uh, a third red flag to me is the way that the American government uh, is using both COVID and the vaccine. And let me be clear, I, I think that Republicans and Democrats, uh, President Trump and, you know, is just as guilty uh, as President Biden is now. Uh, politicians will always use any crisis to centralize power. Always, every single time there's any sort of crisis, uh, politicians will always always use it to centralize power. But you're going to see politicians start to use this to gain power, which we saw a lot during lockdowns. We see with the the vaccine mandates, the mask mandates. Uh, we're going to see an increase in what government officials believe they can dictate in your personal life. Uh, and that's a serious problem, right? Because it starts with this, but then, uh, as we know in, in government, everything is a slippery slope. And so once they feel, once politicians feel that they are capable or they're allowed to, they're legally allowed to uh, start to get involved in your daily activities, uh, we have a serious problem because that's not the role of the federal government. The federal government is meant to be very removed from the individual. And once we start having federal decisions impact your daily life, we have, we have a significant problem uh, with the political structure of our country. Uh, a free people really shouldn't have to worry about when a federal government may dictate uh, to them as acceptable behavior. Uh, that's definitely not what freedom is. Uh, I'm concerned too, not only by the fact that there isn't any long-term testing and the way that this thing's been pushed by government and media, uh, but also about how it was developed. And this is potentially my biggest concern, right, is uh, primarily multiple com companies used aborted fetal cells in the development of this vaccine. So uh, Trump administration actually restricted the use of uh, human fetal tissue from elective abortions in biomedical research, uh, which was quite frankly, a, a small win for the pro-life uh, movement, because it did decrease the financial incentive for some of these uh, abortion facilities to uh, conduct abortion, specifically like Planned Parenthood. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the reason why is because uh, usually right now what, what most abortion facilities are able to do is, or what they were able to do is on the front side, they can charge a young mother a few hundred dollars uh, to get the abortion, to go through with the abor abortion. Uh, but then on the backside, they were able to sell those, uh, the aborted child uh, all those fetal tissues, they were able to sell those to research companies. Uh, so they're really there. Previously, they were able to make money on the front end and the back end. Um, but with uh, the Trump administration's restrictions, uh, they kind of took away a little bit of that back end incentive. Um, but unfortunately, the National Institute for of Health and other organizations were able to kind of uh, skirt by those restrictions whenever they developed these vaccines by using fetal cells from abortions conducted all the way back in the 70s. Uh, in fact, most modern vaccines were actually developed using these aborted fetal cells, just for your awareness. Um, so it's really just a little bit of a, a concern, more than a concern. It's probably my biggest concern with the vaccine, quite frankly. Uh, like I said, I'm still uncomfortable with my decision to get it um, and the use of 
aborted fetal cells is what really concerns me even more than, you know, Pfizer sponsoring every show on television. Uh, but really it's that, that use of aborted fetal, fetal cells. Uh, and I don't think there's anything in the Bible that perfectly describes whether you should or shouldn't get the vaccine. But I will say uh, the Bible is pretty clear that God hates the spilling of innocent blood, uh, which is obviously the case in abortion. And so I'll kind of leave the COVID discussion there and just say that at the end of the day, um, you should have the freedom to decide what is best for you and those around you uh, and what you believe is within God's intent for your life. And the government really has no, no right to dictate one way or another for you. All right. Topic number two, uh, headline number two of this year that I want to cover. And that is the Afghanistan retrograde, the Afghanistan withdrawal. I'm just going to touch on this because it was such a big story this summer uh, and really it was quite tragic as well because soldiers soldiers and Marines were killed uh, during all the chaos. Uh, and a lot of blame was thrown around by politicians. And trust me, um, you know, I'm somewhat familiar with the issue. Uh, and there's certainly a lot of people who could be blamed for everything that happened uh, during that withdrawal. Uh, but I actually don't want to get into all that. I don't want to talk about politicians failing and the government failing, because as you'll see later in this episode and really just throughout all of my podcasts, I think that government will inevitably fail at almost everything that it does. Uh, and so I don't want to get into that specifically right now. What I want to bring up regarding Afghanistan are the opportunities for Christians to share the gospel, right? Uh, make what you will of the Afghanistan what withdrawal, but uh, there's actually a little bit of hope in this whole story because um, there are two particular opportunities for Christians to really get involved right now. First, because refugees from Afghanistan were flown to military military bases in five states to be processed. So they came to Virginia, Wisconsin, New Mexico, Indiana, and New Jersey. Uh, so if you live in one of those five states, you have a pretty obvious opportunity to go share the gospel with those folks, uh, especially if you have access to those, those bases where they're being kept. Uh, second, did you know that the fastest growing Christian populations are in the countries of Iran and Afghanistan? Why, you may ask? Well, because as it turns out, people in those countries are increasingly beginning to recognize that brutal, violent, authoritarian governments aren't actually sanctioned by God. Uh, and because their religion is so closely tied to the governments in those countries, they're recognizing that the, the religion of Islam is not the truth. Uh, so not only do the refugees coming to America present a great opportunity for Christians to share the gospel, but uh, if you want to fulfill the Great Commission and go to a country that desperately needs the gospel of Christ, uh, then Afghanistan is a prime opportunity because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few over there. Uh, if you are interested in finding a way to serve as a missionary in Afghanistan or any other closed country, you know, in the Middle East and, and other places where Christians aren't allowed, uh, then make sure to contact us and we'll find a way to get you plugged in with some folks that are doing some work over there. All right. Uh, topic number three now, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Oof, uh, what a headache this was really. Uh, I'm going to keep this one short because um, again, this is one of those things where I don't necessarily think that the Bible has anything clear to say about this. There's, there's definitely no specific stories uh, that come to mind on this one. Um, and, and so I'm just going to hit two key points, really. I'm, I'm going to really more apply this to our culture in America right now than I am talk about the trial itself or anything like that. Uh, first, I'll say, yes, I think it is okay uh, to see the trial and the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse was not charged with murder as a small win. Uh, for due process and your right to self-defense. That is okay, right? Uh, I think it's okay to recognize the value of self-defense um, and the need for it in a country. Uh, and so, you know, even if you're pro-Second Amendment, against the Second Amendment, it doesn't really matter. Um, 
this was a small win for just being able to defend yourself in, in a manner. Um, there's certainly a lot more that could go into that argument. I don't really want to get into those right now. What I'd rather talk about is I think that we as Christians need to look at the cultural problems that resulted uh, in this to begin with and, and be very concerned with what it says about our nation, really, because uh, was Kyle Rittenhouse defending himself against a potentially life-threatening scenario? Absolutely, yes, he was. But uh, doesn't it concern you a little bit that a 17-year-old was running around violent protests by himself with a weapon? Uh, I won't get into his reasons or justification for being there. All I'm going to ask is, where was this kid's parents? Where were the people who were supposed to be looking after this kid? Um, and really, my message on this whole trial is one thing. For those of you that are parents out there, you need to be intimately involved in your children's lives right now. The world is a wildly seductive and deceptive culture. Uh, spend five minutes on TikTok or Instagram or any of these social media platforms, and you'll see that children are participating in things that children absolutely should not be doing. Uh, don't rely on teachers, don't rely on school systems or friends, or worst of all, people on social media to educate and develop your children. Take ownership and get involved in their lives because if you do not teach them God's way every single day of their lives, I promise you they'll follow the way of the world. And that is my rant on the Rittenhouse trial, not at all talking about it at the trial itself. Uh, I really just wanted to talk about point at the culture problem uh, that we're going to face. And if you're a parent, uh, man, trust me, we should all be worried, worried about our kids right now. Uh, the access that they have to see just absolute evil on the internet via their own phones or their friend's phones or whatever it may be is, is kind of terrifying. And so you just need to be very involved in your children's lives. Make sure that you are the one teaching them. Do not rely on other people to teach them God's way. All right. The next thing I'll point I want to bring up is a hefty one. Uh, I want to talk about the infrastructure bill and uh, the Build Back Better bills and, and really get into some of the effects that they had, uh, as well as how you as a Christian should be responding to some of these uh, just wildly outrageous bills, quite frankly. Uh, so the trillion dollar infrastructure package uh, was passed, but the Build Back Better bill was not thanks to uh, 50 Republican senators and a Democrat, Joe Manchin. Um, the infrastructure bill is huge. Uh, it's a huge waste of money. And I'm just going to give you a few examples. Uh, so one, it dumps money into mass public transit. Uh, this is all during a time that most companies are realizing that they can just work remotely. So in the midst of many American companies sending their workers out to, to work from home, we're dumping huge amounts of money for people to be able to transit into work. Uh, that's kind of a waste. Uh, includes language crafted by supporters of critical race theory. I've done an episode on critical race theory. I'll probably do another one. Uh, go back and check that out. But uh, it, the bill includes language such as the need for things like environmental justice uh, and equity, which, by the way, is, is not the same thing as equality, just so we're clear. It's a term used uh, to try to justify essentially racially motivated programs. Um, and really, that's what a lot of the law is doing is uh, not a lot. Some of the law is doing is uh, setting conditions for them to justify further race-based laws in the future. Uh, it costs $1.2 trillion uh, and will essentially re result in no return on our investment. Uh, this is after spending nearly $4 trillion to inflate our economy during the COVID pandemic, uh, which ran the national debt up to $28.9 trillion already, uh, that, which is an unfathomable uh, number for any of us to really understand how big that national debt is. Uh, how are you going to pay for this, they ask? Well, 
Um, the bill itself relies on 10 years of tax increases. So it's, it's predicated on increasing taxes for the next 10 years. Uh, and most estimates say that it actually costs somewhere between 4.5 and $5 trillion over the long run. So uh, not only are we not really going to see a lot from this, uh, not only is it spending you know a trillion dollars up front in the long term it's going to cost us 4.5 to 5 trillion dollars which again once you start to get into trillions of dollars is just a astronomical amount of money that most of us have absolutely no understanding of uh it's a lot of money um but it is also another example of the government really just believing that they can solve the world's problems. Uh, you guys have heard me talk about this before. Uh, rather than allowing st state and local governments to solve their own local problems, this is an example of the federal government trying to mandate things across the country uh, and, and solve, solve all of the problems uh, all at once at the federal level, which we all know is impossible. Um, next one uh, I'll touch on briefly was President Biden's Build Back Better bill. So that was also up for consideration, which was another multi-trillion dollar package uh, that was essentially just an attempt to cram through left-wing policies at the federal level. However, uh, fortunately, it did not pass the Senate. Uh, but both of these are really just both the infrastructure bill and the Build Back Better bill uh, are really just classic examples of how corrupt our politicians are uh, and how they absolutely uh, do not think about what is best for our nation in the long run, but instead what will get them elected next next election cycle because uh what they're most concerned about is uh how do they stay in power how do they keep that position uh and really you know doing these bills to some people to to their voter base a lot of times makes them seem like they're doing something it makes them seem like they're providing value to our nation that there's a reason that we uh, elected them to office but the truth is, is that if you look at it objectively over the course of a long run over the course of what is best for uh, our nation in the long term uh, these are absolutely horrible horrible bills to be passing into law. Uh, now, because the government has decided to uh, print these insane amounts of money to pay for all of these bills uh, and pump it into the economy under the guise of protecting you from COVID or the collapsing infrastructure all around us, uh, all they've really done is wildly devalued your currency. Uh, it's fairly simple economics that the more unearned currency that you pump into an economy, the higher prices will rise, right? Uh, and of course, politicians won't feel that rise in price nearly as much as you will, because on average, they generally have higher earnings than the average American. Uh, so while you're stuck paying more for gas and more for groceries and more for rent and literally everything, uh, these bills make politicians feel and appear as though they're doing something for the country. Meanwhile, you are left to feel those increases in prices. Uh, but like I've said before, politicians can't solve your problems. So uh, while the government's actions did very little to prevent COVID or its economic effects or any sort of collapsing infrastructure, uh, they were able to increase prices on, on and inflation on almost everything that you buy uh, this past year. And if you're a lower middle class American, I'm sure that you are feeling the effects. Uh, and there's a lot of debate among Christians about how involved we should be in politics. And maybe, uh, maybe I'll do a full episode on one of the on that one of these days about just you know how involved uh, we as Christians need to be in politics. But uh, the one thing that I can say with 100% certainty uh, that God expects you to do is care for the victims of these negative government policies. Uh, governments have a responsibility to protect the basic freedoms of their citizens, and when they inevitably fail, Christians have a responsibility to be there and care for their neighbors. Uh, in the book of Acts, it talks about how the early disciples were literally selling off their possessions to make sure that others' needs were taken care of. And Jesus said that people will know that we are his disciples by the way that we love one another. So when your neighbor can't afford rent because the grocery bill was too high, why not pay for it for them? 
you can't just say, oh, they're not working hard enough or, uh, oh, they bought soda. So obviously they just don't care. They're not being smart about their money. Uh, if you're judging whether or not you help people in hard times by your assumptions about them, then you will never succeed in loving your neighbors. Uh, I'm not going to rant about it too much on this episode uh, because I've a lot to cover or I had a lot to cover today, still have more to cover. Um, but if your local church is not taking care of the impoverished and the homeless and the widows and the orphans and the sick, uh, to the point that all of their needs are being met, then your church is failing. And I'll get into how to fix that in another episode, but just know right now, your neighbors, you have neighbors and people in your neighborhood, uh, that are struggling to meet basic needs because of these government policies, because inflation has been, uh, so wildly, uh, increase because prices have increased so much. There are people that are struggling in your community right now. And when government policy fails, it is your responsibility as a Christian to help them out. Uh, so I'm just going to leave it at that for right now. I'll probably get into how Christians really need to get involved uh, with loving their neighbors a little bit more and, and further podcast this season. But uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. When government policy fails and the government inevitably causes a rise in prices that your neighbor can't afford, make sure you are the one helping them out. All right. I also could not miss an opportunity to kick season two off by talking about a couple, couple of abortion cases in the Supreme Court right now. Uh, you guys are probably aware that the uh, abortion situation in America is near and dear to my heart. My wife and I are very active in the pro-life movement. Um, and I kind of take an opportunity whenever I can to highlight uh, the need to outlaw abortion in this nation. My opinion uh, is that this is probably the single greatest evil in our country right now is abortion. Um, and so there's two laws right now, or there were two laws this, that the uh, Supreme Court has taken a look at this past year. Uh, the first one being the Texas abortion law. So Back in May, Texas, back in May, uh, Texas instituted a heartbeat bill, which basically says that abortion is outlawed once a heartbeat is detected, which is usually during the sixth week of pregnancy. So abortion advocate, advocates uh, are highly against this bill, obviously, uh, because as many of you aware, are aware, a lot of times you may not even be aware that you're pregnant until after the baby's heartbeat has already started. So for corporations like Planned Parenthood, who profit off killing babies in the womb, uh, it's really hard for them to commit murder for cash if the mother doesn't even know she's pregnant until she the until the legal deadline uh, for the abortion. Now, Planned Parenthood and other entities will most certainly circumvent this by just lying and saying that they didn't detect a heartbeat. Uh, the clinic workers will just purposefully not do ultrasounds or they'll do ultrasounds in a way to prevent the mother from hearing the heartbeat. And of course, some pregnancies will be detected prior to the deadline and Planned Parenthood will uh, gladly kill those children for just a few hundred dollars. Uh, so this was a small win for the pro-life fight, but uh, the law is still undergoing a lot of debate. Even though it was signed into law, there's been lots of uh, litigation brought against the law, both at the state and federal levels. But fortunately, uh, there hasn't been any justification for overturning the law yet. One key point about this law is that the Supreme Court essentially sent the challenges back down to federal appeals court, which gives us an indicator as to what will happen with the Mississippi abortion law currently at the Supreme Court. So that's the next one I'll get into is the Mississippi abortion law. Uh, this is called uh, Dobbs versus Jackson Jackson Women's Health Organization. Uh, it's a law that was actually enacted in 2018 that banned abortions after 15 weeks in Mississippi. Uh, abortion advocates are arguing that it violates a previous Supreme Court decision called Planned Parenthood v. Casey, uh, which was more or less, which more or less established uh, 
that the point of viability was 24 weeks for pregnancy. Uh, the state of Mississippi, however, is arguing that the viability is earlier around the 15 week mark. Viability essentially meaning that uh, whenever it becomes a human, whenever it becomes a person. Uh, most commentators will tell you, well, first, it, this does challenge Roe v. Wade uh, in that Supreme Court decision a little bit. Um, I'll get into that in just a minute, though. Most commentators will tell you that there's three potential outcomes from this. In my opinion, we need to be, as we as Christians, need to be praying for a fourth. So uh, the first potential outcome here, probably the most likely, is that the Supreme Court will essentially just roll back viability to somewhere around 14 or 15 weeks of pregnancy. Um, really, that just means that the court recognizes something called personhood earlier in the pregnancy than the timeline currently used. Personhood meaning when does that baby become a human, um, which anyone with half a brain and really any semblance of basic scientific knowledge can tell you that it's a human life from conception. Uh, but what the court will do here is, is probably just reassess viability and say that it's at 14 weeks, which will uphold the Mississippi law without completely overturning the Roe v. Wade decision. This gives conservatives justices, conservative justices on the court uh, the ability to slowly change abortion law in America without drastically changing previous precedents. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying, a lot of the conservative justices will try to get these small victories that progressively overturns Roe v. Wade over time, rather than doing it all at once and potentially threatening what they see as the, um, the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. Option number two is they could completely overturn Roe v. Wade uh, by stating it was incorrectly decided and that the states essentially have the right to determine their own abortion laws. Uh, so just for your awareness, Roe v. Wade essentially established that uh, states could not determine uh, their own abortion laws up to a certain point. Uh, it, it basically mandated that all states provide some sort of option for abortion uh, within their states. Uh, it's a horrible decision, absolutely atrocious. Um, but this this case could present an opportunity for the justices to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, if that's the case, uh, we'll see about 20 states outlaw uh, out abortion outright, um, and we'll have 30. We'll probably see about 30 that have a mix of uh, abortion up to a certain point, and some that even uh, allow abortion up to uh, birth. California, and New York, for example, already do that. Um, so even if Roe v. Wade does get overturned, we're not going to see a complete uh, elimination of abortion, really not even close. Uh, option number three is they could essentially do nothing. I don't think this is very likely. Uh, I think that the conservative justices on the Supreme Court will try to use this as an opportunity to at least incrementally get our way towards um, or work our way towards overturning Roe v. Wade. But I, I don't think they'll overturn it at all outright right now. Uh, but there is an op there is a possibility that they do nothing, uh, that they maintain Roe v. Wade because it was a previous precedent set by the Supreme Court. Uh, they maintain viability at 24 weeks and they rule that the Mississippi law was unconstitutional. But like I said, I, I doubt that that will happen since uh, many of the justices are currently leaning away uh, from just maintaining precedents on abortion. Like I said, there is a fourth option. It's highly unlikely. Um, I'm pretty sure that the only justice bold enough to do it is Clarence Thomas. Uh, Supreme Court justices could, but probably won't, but could uh, interpret all constitutional law to encom encompass all human life uh, beginning at conception. This is a huge reach uh, for the Supreme Court, and I can pretty much guarantee you that this won't happen. The Supreme Court, generally speaking, doesn't like to ruffle feathers to an extent that the court could lose its legitimacy with a significant portion uh, of the population 
although I could probably argue uh, that Kinsburg and Sotomayor nearly accomplished that by themselves. Uh, but I don't think that the court will go this far because that would essentially mean an outright prohibition on abortion immediately, entirely. And I don't think that the justices right now on the court are bold enough for that decision. Uh, now, one thing I will say is that, in my opinion, uh, even if abortion decisions aren't completely returned back to the states after this law, I personally think that governors and state legislatures have an opportunity here to essentially incorporate option four at the state level. Uh, they could sim simply interpret state and federal law to include all human life, include babies in the womb, uh, which would guarantee them basic uh, human rights. Uh, in the past, this may have sounded like a stretch, but Recently, the Supreme Court decided to interpret previous precedent about preventing racial discrimination to include not only race, but things like gender, uh, sexuality, and even though those items were not explicitly stated, they still said that the spirit of the law, the spirit of the precedent included those items. So you could potentially at the state level, even at the Supreme Court, read into all whenever the Constitution talks about human life, it's referring to all human life beginning at conception. Um, so it really isn't that far of a reach to simply say that when the Constitution refers to humans, it applies to all humans, not just the ones outside of the womb. But like I said, that probably requires quite a bit of boldness. Uh, and I highly doubt that many of the justices or are, or really even maybe many of the, the state governors are bold enough to uh, take that step. So unfortunately, we probably will just see a gradual progression away from Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey decisions via laws like uh, Dobbs v. Jackson's Jackson Women's Health Organization, uh, rather than some huge radical shift uh, where we completely overturn abortion uh, nationwide. But ultimately, in the immediate future, uh, it doesn't really matter if Roe versus Wade is held up or overturned. Uh, what matters is that you as a Christian uh, or what you as a Christian are going to do to fight back against the injustice of abortion. I mentioned before, it is our responsibility as Christians to uh, provide and help for the victims of poor government policy. Right now, we have a lot of bad government policy uh, in the United States, and it's our responsibility as Christians to uh, not only protect victims, to help victims, uh, but also fight against the injustices for those who can't fight for themselves. Um, so don't rely on the Supreme Court to solve the abortion problem. Don't rely on state governors or legislatures to solve the abortion problem for us. Uh, there's abs absolutely nothing stopping you uh, from going down to your local Planned Parenthood and sharing the gospel with young mothers uh, to stop them from going through the abortion. Uh, and if you need help and want to learn how to do that, then please contact us and we will help you out. I promise you we are very plugged into the pro-life community uh, really across the country. If you guys want to learn uh, how to go down and talk to people at, plan, uh, at a Planned Parenthood, then please reach out to us and, and we'll get you plugged in. Whew. I know I covered a lot of topics this episode. Sorry for the shotgun blast, but I also wanted to hit, or I just wanted to hit a few of uh, the key stories that came out this year. So as we say farewell to the year 2021 and look forward to 2022, please look back at this year and understand that politicians will not solve our nation's problems. Uh, don't consume yourself with worry over uh, the things that you can't control in this earthly kingdom that is destined to fall eventually anyways. Instead, take this next year and focus on what you can do to serve the kingdom that will never fall. God is calling you, not your pastor, your priest, your mentor. He's calling you individually uh, to make a difference in the lives of those around you. You're called, in fact, commanded uh, to share the gospel, to give to those in need, and to defend those who can't defend themselves. And so when politicians fail, when government policies fail, it is your role as a Christian to take care of those around you. And if you're not quite sure how to do that, 
if you're not sure how to navigate the chaos and the politics and the culture, and you just want some help or training or guidance, uh, then contact our parent company, Research to find out how uh, they can help you out because I promise they can provide some training for, for you or your entire church uh, on how to get involved and really truly how to love your neighbor uh, the way that God calls us to do. Uh, and last but not least, uh, but make sure to hit to subscribe and tell your friends about the Millennial God podcast, uh, because I think this next season is going to be big. I, I don't want you guys to miss out. I think we've got a lot of uh, really great topics lined up. We've got some guests coming on, um, and I'm really excited for it. I hope you are too. God bless. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Millennial God podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a review. Uh, if you ever want to reach out, you can find us anywhere on social media. And you can also send us an email at millennialgodpodcast at protonmail.com. That's millennialgodpodcast at protonmail.com.